and welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast, everybody. We are Eric and Sarah. Welcome back. We're recording this kind of last minute, Tuesday night, night yes. before we typically <laughs> upload to all of our podcasting hosting platforms. Yeah, we're like, um, let's see, it's 8.30, so three and a half, uh, three, six hours before we post it. Right. We were originally going to take a break this week. But we decided to do maybe a a short episode. Yeah. There's um, some stuff going on in the news, in the world. Um, we'll get to in a second. Can I just do a really quick positivity box? Mm-hmm. That's, it's just very prevalent right now since we're recording the podcast. But my desk chair is very squeaky. And I feel like on the podcast, I've talked about how much of an annoyance it is for me. So... I bought WD-40 when we moved here a few weeks ago just to have around, and I finally flipped my chair over, found what was squeaking, and wd 40 the shit out of it, and it stopped squeaking. Mm -hmm. You don't know how great that makes me feel as someone who's never been, like, particularly handy. Really? I mean, I, like, I can, I feel like I can you do are stuff. Handy. Yeah, but I'm not, like, I'm not like our friend Robbie handy. Sure. Who can just like, oh, your car has this thing wrong with it. Let me just fix it. Right. So I was like, I'm going to get the WD-40 and fix my chair. Well, I'm happy for you. No squeaks. Always get to fix things rather than just buy new ones. Especially a chair that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's my positivity box. Um, I'm not going to try to pressure you to, to do one right now since we weren't planning it. I just kind of wanted to say it. I'd like to end this episode with an extended positivity box. Okay. We Which is kind of the point of the episode, I guess. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, you'll probably be aware of some of the things that have happened over the past few weeks, namely two mass shootings. And the more recent one actually happened right about five minutes away from the place we used to live at a grocery store that I used to walk to and shop at all the time. Or sometimes I would bike there. Yeah, in Boulder. Mm-hmm. It was our local grocery store, and yeah, like you said, Sarah would walk there just all the time during the summer and the spring. Um, it's just very, it's weird because we don't we don't live there now, right? We live in a different part right. of Colorado now, mm -hmm. but I mean, two of our closest friends, we lived very close to them over there, and they live like a five minute, they also live about a five minute walk from the supermarket. Mm -hmm. it's just very it's very strange um when we lived when we lived in our last place which is like a much smaller little suburb in colorado um there was a shooting at a walmart which luckily no one no one died in that one i think people were injured i think it was if i'm not mistaken i think it was two people who knew each other shooting at each other oh is that what it was i don't but remember. it was right it was very very close to us within 10 minutes drive yeah it just it hits a little different when people are killed mm -hmm. um as opposed to the situation not really escalating to that level mm -hmm. um, so yeah even though we're not we're not there anymore and we haven't lived there in a few years it just really it just really uh gets to you in a, in a certain way right no my family was texting me i mean we live kind of far away from boulder now but everyone was texting to see if we were safe and okay mm. and 
I was texting all of our friends who live who in live Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's something that's something that I've never experienced. You know, obviously we hear about these shootings. I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. But I've never I've never had the experience of texting everyone I know in a certain in a certain town and saying, "Hey, you're alive, right?" Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very surreal, and and of course this happened very much while people were still mourning the eight deaths that happened the week prior the week or yeah i'm I'm not sure on the exact dates it's but... like all such a blur now right yeah um, i think it was last week in atlanta yeah and you know in response to that people a lot of people on social media especially were talking we're bringing up the issue of you know asian hate and i like i'm right i'm half filipino i'm very white passing but my mom isn't you know all of my female my aunts my grandmother and it's just very it's just been kind of surreal you know i mean literally everyone on that side of your family aside from you and your sister yeah because everyone else well no one else in your family has um white kids Mm -hmm. you know no one else married a white person aside from your mom right so like everyone in your family is very asian looking it's really you and your sister who look more white yeah so it's weird to be you know definitely you know benefiting from being white passing but also aware that my family isn't Mm -hmm. you know and it's just anyway i guess what we wanted to kind of talk about was just this is something that happened to us last summer too when everything was happening with george floyd it was actually the impetus for us missing two months of the podcast yeah because we got very disillusioned by everything and we didn't want to make anything we didn't want to like do anything in the public eye well, I remember we tried to film or record an episode the week when all of the Black Lives Matter um, things were trending, I guess. Yeah. And it and we weren't happy with the episodes, so we didn't put it up because it just felt very kind of futile and and negative, and it felt bad. Yeah, and I mean, it it should feel bad, but also it, it felt like we didn't know what we could contribute to the conversation and that's kind of where we find ourselves again Mm -hmm. and it's hard to go on social media without very much kind of losing faith in humanity which you know if you already have baseline depressive uh personality doesn't make things better (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so i think eric and i have been talking about all of this today and i mean we're also still in the middle of a pandemic and people are starting to get vaccinated which is great but i just feel like still on social media people are just fighting about everything Mm -hmm. people are still you know it's it's been over a year now people still fighting about the efficacy of masks and vaccination and just, just all of these things so 
yeah, I, I, I felt like maybe now is a good time to uh, take a little social media detox. Yeah, it's it's hard because you kind of when you're hmm, not even just when you're in like the public eye, you know, like a, like all my friends who don't have any sort of social media following, you know, like they're still posting. Um, they're still posting about gun control and um, mass shootings, right? And statistics. And last week, all my friends um, posted hashtag stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. All of these things that like I, I agree with and I appreciate and I'm on board with. Uh, but then especially when you get into like influencer famous person territory, it's like it's like something bad is always happening in the very public eye nowadays obviously bad things have always been happening but as technology progresses they're more in front of us than ever before yeah right and this was talked a lot about this is talked about a lot last year um after the george the george floyd incident where everyone was like well this has always happened but mm-hmm. now it's just more public right and it's filmed right. and recorded yes um but it kind of it kind of feels like it's these events are occurring so frequently now that social media isn't even what it's supposed to to be right people don't people aren't really posting about what they do and what they care about and what they create because there's like this never ending flow of things you have to come out in support of right because we do support them mm-hmm. and all these creators do support these things but it's so frequent now that it's like oh does this person cook is this person a musician because now everyone's just posting about awareness for these things which right. again it's tough because it's good they should yeah. be like we should be talking about it but at the same time it's like okay well there's there's nothing else online anymore yeah, I mean, social media has become like another news outlet, but you have to take it with such a grain of salt because essentially you can make a square post with any kind of text alleging anything, mm-hmm. and now it's hard to know what's true and what's not. Yeah. So it's just this, you know, double-edged sword. I mean, it's even hard for me to understand what I'm looking for, right? Because it's such a confusing time and such a confusing conversation we're having, right? Yeah. Like I, today I've seen, I've seen so many reposts of um, the same infographics, the same photos of people mourning the names of the people who were killed. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I know I'm sad, mm-hmm. but because I'm sad, I would like to see something that maybe makes me feel better. Yeah. Like um, a vegan sandwich or something, right? Right. And then I see someone post a vegan sandwich and I'm like, oh my God, you're not even talking about what's going on. What's wrong with you? Right. And then I'm like, what What am I, what am I even thinking? I don't know, even know what I want. It's so confusing. Yeah. I mean, me neither. Because yeah, it's definitely important to be aware of everything that's going on. I understand that followers of different you know influencers and creators want to see those creators like taking a stand Mm -hmm. for certain causes but then you know now we're in this age where it's we're questioning what what's just performative like 
are you just ticking a box mm-hmm. like getting your statement out of the way so you can go back to advertising or whatever mm-hmm. so it's just it's all very very murky you know yeah and um eric was saying like these things are just like there's always bad news essentially and prior to maybe like i don't know beginning of 2020 it was a conscious uh decision i was making to not consume the news and also not be politically active because it was making me so depressed Mm -hmm. and um it's been hard for me to find the right kind of balance between like what my responsibility is to know and to say and to support versus like basically caring for my own mental health and then also we come into this um this question of like if we are creators if we're if we have been able to cultivate some kind of audience what is our responsibility to them and i've mentioned in past episodes that i've always been i've had this sense that i've been pining for like when i started my channel the the first few years and when i would always think back on that time it would feel very like lighthearted and fun I feel like my videos were a lot more humorous and that was something that people liked about me and I know that because I would get comments about it. And the tone of everything feels so dark now and it feels like very inescapable. And I wonder if, if maybe the best way I can help people would be to actually go back and channel some of the happier more uplifting things Mm -hmm. that i used to be able to create well what i'm thinking about is you know how there's that whole group of people online that tells athletes musicians influencers to basically shut up and do your job like don't tell me who you're voting for don't tell me what social issues you care about just I, the famous example is LeBron James. Mm. I think there was some sports announcer that basically said on live TV, like, just shut up and dribble. Like, don't don't talk about politics. We don't care how you feel about Trump. Just shut up and dribble. You're paid to play basketball. Go do it. And right. there's that whole group of people. There's that whole group of people where, like, if anyone posts something mildly political um, on Instagram, they'll be like, shut up. Just sing. You're a singer, Halsey. Just mm-hmm. sing. And I absolutely disagree with people saying that. And I think people with the social media presence should have every right to talk about whatever they want to talk about. But I think for the other side of people, the other camp of people, I think we should also normalize not constantly talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be nice if it was okay for, and maybe it is, and maybe I'm just kind of, um, I don't know if projecting would be the right word. Maybe I'm just overthinking, but I'm like, it should be okay for an influencer or a celebrity to post about what happened in Boulder, post about what happened in Atlanta, post infographics about crimes committed against Asian Americans, and then go right back to posting a video of them singing in the studio Mm -hmm. for their new upcoming album. Like, 
it should be okay to do both and be like, okay, look, we talked about the important things, but also this is what I do and I'm, I do it to cheer people up. Mm-hmm. So here's some content of me doing that. Maybe it'll make you feel better in this time. Right. I'm hoping to kind of do that because I felt very um, just kind of paralyzed by everything happening. And even saying that feels a little weird because it didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's also some guilt there. Like there are some people who can't just go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I just occurred to me that like me being overwhelmed and saddened by all the information isn't really allowing me to help anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people who are creators or you, musicians too, who, who are offering um, like live stream concerts and such throughout the pandemic. Mm. Like a lot of people were really happy about just like having some way to connect with creators that they admired even though they were isolated Mm -hmm. you know so i feel like i just i it would be good for my mental health and maybe for other people who watch my stuff to just have like a normal vlog or something yeah to disconnect from all the bad stuff temporarily Mm -hmm. yeah it's um the whole topic is very confusing. Yeah. And I, and I hope that at no point throughout this entire conversation did I sound like um, a bad person who has no heart or feelings for other people. Because mm-hmm. um, that's not what I intended. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we. I just, I don't even know how to, to it's just confusing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, clearly, I need to do more unpacking of it. Um, I mean, so with that being said, I think we should kind of on a on I mean it's basically what I just said about talking about the important things but also then going back to what you do. Mm-hmm. So I think for us in this conversation the other thing we wanted to talk about during this episode before we had planned on talking about everything we just talked about yeah was kind of um our our current situation with music mm-hmm. and making music together. So do you want to pivot there? Sure. So, <laughs> such this is such a long saga, our musical mm-hmm. journey, because we recorded our first like cover song together back when we still lived at our old our first place we lived together, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we re-recorded it, and then we did a music video, but. Well, we recorded our first cover song when you lived in California. Oh, yeah. And I lived in Boulder. I rem- I, rem- I recorded my part and sent it to Eric. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had a nice microphone. Which I still... It's right here in the <laughs> room, and I was recording acoustic guitar with it earlier. Right. That's how we knew we were meant to be. Thank you, Sarah's dad, for <laughs> allowing me to use that microphone all these years after you bought right. it. Right. So, I mean, that is a crazy thing to think about, too, because... Both of the microphones that I own, I got when I was in high school, mm. and I was never really considering being like a professional musician. I guess in high school, I really wasn't thinking about anything other than getting into a good college, and I thought getting into a good college would just, like, the red carpet would be rolled out for me, and it would point me to my 
my destiny <laughs> after that point, but it just became more and more confusing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was writing a lot of music at the time and my dad got me like this cakewalk. I don't even know if cakewalk software still exists, but I it was... I think it does, but... Yeah, it was like a home recording software and two microphones and some stuff. That's so nice. I remember having so many technical issues. I'm not really a technically gifted person. <laughs> Eric does all, like, I don't even think I know how to, I mean, I could turn on our TV. Could I make it, oh my could God. I make it play something? Could you make, Question mark? could you make Frasier appear on the TV? It, it, could I? I'm asking, do you, I think, don't... you, do you think you could make Frasier Crane <laughs> show up on our television? I mean, I could probably figure it out, but right now I have no clue. <laughs> like I just, I just show up in the living room and uh, Frazier's there. He's like, hello, Sarah. Welcome yeah. to Seattle. I mean, Eric, when we moved in last, was it, wait, it's been a week? Uh, <laughs> two weeks? It's been two weeks. I'm so disoriented. Um, Eric made our internet work. Eric called the Comcast people and... He was using all these this mumbo jumbo that I didn't understand. Oh, because Comcast had to come to our house and uh, finagle our internet. Yeah, um, he picked out a new router, and you know I just don't think that I would ever, uh, you know. Sarah just uh, sat on her sweet tush and watched her internet speed go from fifty megabits per second to six hundred. Right. You're welcome, babe. What is a megabit, though? I don't um, know. <laughs> Please don't inquire any further. Yeah, I do all of the, uh, I'm really good at like the mechanical stuff. I will make you dinner and breakfast and lunch and, you know, a delightful beverage. And you'll, you'll lint roll my socks. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the laundry. I'll clean. That's it. I think over the course of our relationship, I mean, it's still, it's still getting balanced, but I feel like it's much the, like what you and I both handle. Mm-hmm. has become more balanced yes i feel like i've slacked for a while there I, I, well, I, well what i say is that i'm like more on top of our day-to-day stuff eric is our big big life change mm-hmm. director like he handled all the moving uh like how i changed your logistics i changed your home address with usps when we moved yes yeah. eric forwarded my mail for right. me um, so all that is to say that sarah got recording software when she was in high school and didn't know how to use so it so many i don't even know how i did it but i did make an album in high school and i did where is that burn it i think my mom might have it i need to hear it because I, I made an album in high school I don't think I even know knew what like a key was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I think I just have like a kind of good year and it worked out, but I don't know how I did anything. But anyway, you definitely have a good year, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So uh, where were we going with this? <laughs> uh, we were talking about our long saga, our long musical saga. Yeah, I mean, we've tried so many different ways of working together both in music and um you know on the podcast and we've tried to loop eric in on sarah's vegan kitchen too we've kind of like had good ideas but approached them in bad ways if that makes sense implementation not great but yeah so like a prime example is um i'm very into recording music right like i i love recording music i record music for clients right? That's like my thing. So when Sarah and I first started working on our covers in 2018, like you said, I 
I was kind of like, yeah, like let's learn the song and like record it. Yeah. And then we'll put six songs, we'll do an EP. And that's what we did. And the whole thing was just very stressful. And we, I mean, it took us a long time to realize that, you know, what most people do is they learn songs together and practice. <laughs> and they learn songs together that they love and they're really excited about. And they try a bunch of things and see what works. And we kind of said, we're going to pick a song that we think is going to be popular with the people yeah. who listen to it. And we're going to record it right away. And everything was just very uncomfortable. Yeah, because I mean, Eric's really good at efficiency, basically. And I'm very, I'm like just the ideas person. We've talked about this before. Mm. I, yeah. So I would basically be committing to things that my feeble, feeble mind and emotions weren't going to allow me to see through. So it was causing some dissension and mm -hmm. um, bad vibes. But we, I think we finally figured out we're on our way. Do you know what I mean? We finally figured out a way of making stuff together that feels a lot more natural. I think part of the the reason it's gone this way so far is because I feel like you and I have both felt like we we have to do it now. Mm -hmm. Like we've kind of both felt like we have to be musicians. I mean, yeah. I've always felt like that, you know. And I always felt until very recently that it was completely out of my realm of possibility mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have, you know, classical training or any sort of training, really. I'm just self-taught. Yeah. Um, but I've learned having like a strong knowledge base is always really important for me. So instead of saying, you know, some people who are famous don't have a lot of musical training and they're still famous instead of just saying that and then trying to force myself to do this to like be okay with it basically what i did was i started studying some music theory mm. and following through piano lessons so i was able to kind of make myself feel more competent and it i'm continuing to do that so yeah. just acknowledging that yeah it is important for me to feel like i'm qualified to do something and I'm going to give myself the tools to do that rather than just trying to kind of, what's the word? Uh, steamroll? <laughs> yes. Steamroll my own insecurities, you know? Yeah. And I feel like when it comes to us working as a team now, I don't know, we've both been just very open and communicative and nice to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. And... So basically what we've been doing since we've moved into our new place is almost every day we just sit down and we just, we have like a list of songs that we want to play and we just like pick one at a time and run through it. And if it doesn't kind of naturally happen where we're like, oh, I can play this, you can sing this, I can harmonize with you, like mm -hmm. this works, we're just like next take it off the list we'll find something else or there have been a couple that we have been interested in covering or learning together that we really like but maybe our skill level is not there yet mm -hmm. so we've kind of just tabled it but and it's it's funny because when you say skill level it's like it's mostly skill level as a duo you know it's like us working together and like nailing harmonies because mm. it's just you know so much changes when you're working with someone else and you have to learn 
how to be mm-hmm. a musician with another musician, mm-hmm. right? It's very, very interesting. I don't know if I feel that way because I, mm. I also feel like I was, I mean, I've talked so many times on the podcast about how my depressive phases basically when I'm in the middle of one, I completely end up disconnecting from my art, Mm. which is weird because everyone says, or I mean, there are so many examples of these people with really intense mental illness being creative geniuses. Mm -hmm. And I know there is that connection that kind of suffering is almost this, um, food for creative fodder. thought yeah i was gonna yeah. use the word fodder but it didn't seem it didn't I, se- I never seem know right when to i don't use know it. yeah and it's like for me i'm never usually creating when i'm at my lowest it's like kind of in the space but it's like when i'm on the upswing mm-hmm. when i'm feeling really good i'm usually pouring all of my energy into my job job yeah. which is kind of sad you know mm-hmm. when i'm feeling really low i'm not really accomplishing much of anything um, but all the thoughts are kind of brewing, I guess. I guess that's where a lot of the seeds are planted. Right. And then once you feel a little bit better, you can... Yeah, it's like when I'm art. climbing out of that the dark abyss mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, I'm going to start creating and writing. Yeah. And um, so unfortunately, the entire time we were in, in San Diego, even though, you know, as we mentioned, we kind of moved there to give ourselves the like financial freedom to... Um, pursue music more fully I was just so depressed the entire time I was there I realized I really wasn't singing at all I wasn't writing at all I was very inconsistent with piano playing too yeah and like we've talked about just being just knowing that other people are around yeah um it just made it more difficult I mean I think everything I made for clients when we lived there was just not as good because I just didn't feel I just didn't feel like I was in the correct space mm-hmm. and everything came out like a little dull. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so weird to um, observe the difference in what I say matters to me and what I actually spend my time doing. Mm-hmm. It's like a little shameful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, like you said earlier, I think the reason why um, our musical ventures are working out better now, how you said it's because we both feel really compelled to make it work, is because I I was in such a low place before and I spend so much of my, my, like my life's, like my biggest passion is just thinking about the human mind and making art about that that can help people it just feels like the only thing that matters to me Mm -hmm. like i mean this is sad but i don't when people ask me what i do or if family asks me like oh how's right like we're gonna go visit your family Mm -hmm. this this week for passover seder and everyone's going to be like, oh, how's the job going? And I always kind of just brush it off because I don't really like talking about it. Yeah. Um, not like I'm ashamed or anything, but it's not. I'm passionate about feeding people. I love to feed people. It's mm-hmm. like it, it feels like cooking should be my hobby and 
creating stuff should be my yeah. job like my you know and this I know what you mean, yeah. this actually <laughs> we weren't even we didn't even talk about um this before we started the episode but we just watched soul yeah i wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about it today or um next week or something yeah i mean we, we can, talk can about just it. touch on it but yeah yeah we watched the is it disney or pixar or both it's disney, disney pixar. pixar they merged yes that's like fucked up <laughs> beyond belief in my the opinion real power couple hey um more like multimedia conglomerate <laughs> Um, so we watched Soul, the Disney Pixar film that came out last year. It's about, um, a struggling, I don't know if he's a struggling jazz musician, but he's... A, I'd say he is. He yeah. is. Yeah. And, and, but his job is teach, jazz music teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess he is a str- struggling jazz musician because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And he basically, uh, wants, he, he basically gets his dream gig Mm-hmm. And he's so excited about his gig that he's wandering around New York City and he dies. Um, <laughs> I think he's it's distracted. so funny that this is such like a deep, they bring up so many deep concepts, but the fact that it's a cartoon, like you could just get away with so much. He's just absentmindedly like walking home and he dies. Yeah. <laughs> just sheer negligence. And you're like, yep, totally happened. <laughs> I don't even know if I can explain like what the rest of the movie is about right i don't want to give any spoilers but basically the main question that's being asked is what is purpose where do we find our purpose is it something we're born with does the soul choose the purpose yeah maybe we're born with it maybe it's maybe (laughs) i was hoping you'd say that um yeah and i think where the movie lands which i don't think is necessarily a spoiler but it where it lands is that maybe you have a sense of what you love to do but that your your purpose is something else right that there's a lot more to living than just one thing you're passionate about yeah it's it's been very it's been very weird because was it the day after we watched soul that the shooting in boulder happened yeah. so it kind of it kind of leaves you with the sense at the end of the movie like to just appreciate every little thing in life even the things that are mundane and like a leaf falling off of a tree right like these mundane boring things and then it got juxtaposed for us because of the timing with like oh now i'm afraid to go to the grocery store and it's like, right. uh, it's, it's like this brain, this dissonant, this cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So after we watched the film, or maybe we paused in the middle to get snacks or something, but I started crying hysterically mm. <laughs> because I understood that the film was kind of challenging us to appreciate all the little things in life. And something I've been struggling with lately is that I I can recognize all the things I have to be grateful for, but I can't... There's just something about the way the world is and how everything's very unequal and there are a lot of people suffering. Just like in all of those things, I have trouble just not regarding those things all the time. Mm 
so it's like and i think i I just deal with a lot of guilt too because it's like i mean isn't it crazy that i mean we're two young people and we have our own apartment now or a condo whatever right yeah i mean in the film he's like appreciating being on the shitty new york city subway and we're like that's great but some people don't have food you know and it's sure it's just like uh yeah i mean my big my big problem is just like i just thought spiral way too easily basically mm-hmm. don't worry i'm gonna see a therapist again soon i just <laughs> changed my health insurance uh back to colorado and uh got a sick credit thank you state of colorado <laughs> and uh, now i can afford mental health care <laughs> wow yeah so but and i also another thing i was actually just googling it right before we um started hopped on here (laughs) i i have been dealing with compulsive or intrusive just violent thoughts not of me being violent but of bad uh, things happening to you right and other people like that's happened like your whole life right it has it's been it's been a lot worse lately um i think because there's just thoughts of shootings happening all the time but really afraid of driving especially since my bike accident and then before that my car accident it's why i can't watch like really any form of violent television eric will aggressively shield my eyes if we even think something bad is gonna happen and then she'll like i'll I'll tell her not to look and then i'll see her peeking and i'll we'll literally like even when sarah and i argue i don't yell i mean not on purpose i'm a loud person Mm -hmm. but i will literally yell at her i'm like i said don't look (laughs) i'm like you're gonna have bad dreams you're not gonna sleep you're gonna cry it's gonna be a bad time for everyone so i said don't look yeah and then sometimes you peek at the blood on the screen not not intentionally anyway i um yeah so not to wax on about this but it's like we were watching this film which which has a really heartwarming uh, message and it's very true. Like, yes, there's always a lot to be grateful for. Always, always, always. Yes. Um, but I also have all these intrusive thoughts about bad shit. And it's, you know, whatever. Um, but we, we, I, I brought this up because we were just thinking about music. And like, it's hard to kind of take a leap of faith and pursue something that like i mean the the trope is like starving artist do you know what i mean it's hard to pursue something like that yeah having heard all of the stereotypes and also having been alive for almost 30 years you know what i mean (laughs) like we're not like we're not in college we're not like, yeah, we're going to try to make this band work. And then like when we graduate college, we'll like be baristas and mm-hmm. try to make this band work. It's like we've, we've both, I mean, we've like had jobs, careers. Like mm-hmm. I graduated college and worked at a company for many years. You've worked at many different companies. Like we're past the stage of life where people usually say, I'm going to try to be a musician. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're still like, fuck it. We want to be musicians. Yeah. And I realized that basically, I I don't know. It's just, yeah, we, just lots of mental hurdles to overcome because there's no guarantee 
you never have any guarantee that things will work out for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm very much like a spiritual person. I like back in 2015, like my dad was sick. And I think when I was trying to figure out how to not feel so depressed about that, I stumbled upon this law of attraction community. And uh, if, are you familiar with Abraham? I'm not, no. Abraham is a, a channeled spirit collective sort of thing. Mm. Basically, this one woman channels this consciousness, which refers to itself as Abraham. Okay. Which just like relays all these messages about... Um, have you ever, ever heard of heard someone saying like, stay in the vortex? It's in your, vo- in your vortex. No. It's just like the lingo they use for like, you create magnetism with your positive thoughts and Mm. then you attract good things to you but if you think too many bad things like more bad things are going to happen to you interesting anyway so that was like my first introduction into spirituality which i now see is like very much a oversimplification of things (laughs) right um and it's actually a pretty damaging way to think because then people think that everything that bad happens to them is their fault yeah like For the longest time, I just thought like, oh, I can positive think my dad out of having cancer. And like, that's so toxic. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you end up taking ownership over other people's problems. I never thought about that. Yes. It's crazy. Um, So like, I keep getting like lost. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in this like, uh, I know what I was saying. I'm like... I've just been following all the spiritual rhetoric for so long and I am inclined to think that everything has a deeper meaning and that the bad things that happen to us are for a reason and that we're to learn from it. And I try to tell myself that all of the dark things that I've thought and I've gone through maybe are happening happening to me so I can help other people. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard um, sometimes to keep believing that when you when you don't have the evidence yet yeah and so i feel that way with my depression because it's it it's still with me (laughs) and it still affects my life and i also feel that way with um is the music thing gonna pan out Mm -hmm. and i mean i've lowered my like not that i've like lowered my standards or aspirations or anything but for me like I'd be happy to just be a musician and have it pay my bills. Like I don't need vast amounts of wealth. Mm -hmm. I just want that to be what I'm, I want that to be my function in the world. Basically we wake up, we write a song, we do some recording uh, and we go to sleep and that's how we get paid. Yeah. Something like that (laughs) would just be nice. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. <laughs> I was listening to Rhett and Link's podcast and he Rhett kept using the word interesting and he was berating himself because he kept <laughs> using the word interesting and was trying to find a different word. Mm-hmm. And now I, now I hear myself saying interesting over and over again. It's okay. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? It's happening to me too. But what I find so fascinating is that Ever since I was little, I wanted to be a musician because I wanted to make people the way, make people feel the way I felt when I listened to music, Mm -hmm. just moved and inspired and motivated. And 
you know, I, I like My Chemical Romance a lot. And their audience, just because of, I guess, what their music is like and what their lyrics are like, I guess they have a lot of people in their fan base who just have, um, I don't know, I, I feel like I've I've started this the wrong way. Basically, a lot of their fans have said to them, you guys have saved my life, right? Yeah, you hear that all the time, you know? And once I started interacting with the My Chemical Romance fan base, I was like, I want to be that person where someone's like, you made music and it saved my life. Like, that's just what, what an amazing feeling that must be. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm older and we're making music together and I'm hearing what you're singing about, I feel like I'm not able to produce the music or the lyrics that speak to those people hmm. because I've never personally really been through it. But I feel like i that's partially why I'm so called to make your music with you mm. is because of the effect that it can have on people. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that and I want to contribute yeah. to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've realized... Um, that I, I have to at least give this my best shot rather than just kind of relegating it to, you know, hobby status as I have been for mm-hmm. my entire life, really. Is that like, I, when I think about everything that has really impacted me, it's mostly music. Yeah. Like the things that, I don't know, it's it's such a very universal language Everyone has songs that make them feel things. The same song can mean different things to different people. Um, Right? I associate different songs with different people in my life and different times in my life. I think, like, it's interesting, like, food does that too. Mm -hmm. Food is just, is another language, but it's very, um, it's much less rare than music right you yeah. make i make meals three times a day and you make a, a song right you release like one album a year max probably if mm-hmm. you're a professional you're musician literally taylor swift right so yeah. it's like for me it just doesn't feel um it's not as impactful yeah every instance of it isn't as impactful yes yeah um can we talk about the song we just made together for a client oh sure do you want to talk about that experience at all sure i think it would be fun um it was a good example of us kind of overcoming a bit of a roadblock i guess mm -hmm. yeah uh so i basically there's this guy that i do a lot of music work for um it kind of started as me making music for his company and now it's our relationship is partially that but also partially uh more like personal things so he he basically texted me and was like hey i want to um i i wrote these lyrics for a song about my daughter and will you turn these into will you turn it into a song and it was like this really heartfelt song and he was like oh i would sarah sing on it because i want a female to sing it so I asked Sarah and she was like, sure. So the process was um, really difficult mm. for a few reasons. The first being, I didn't know what the hell to write because the song was so personal 
and that like and like i said our, our relationship started by me making songs about like what his business revolved around mm-hmm. and it's just much it's just much different when he's like here's this heartfelt song about my daughter i'm yeah. like oh my god this has to be good like, it has to be really good um <laughs> And then I started spending so much time on it where I was like, I can't charge him for all this time. I'm taking so long to do it. Mm-hmm. And there were like all these just aspects of it that were challenging. And then I kind of had the whole thing like kind of written and Sarah came in and she kind of helped me hammer it out. And then once all the instrumentation was recorded, <laughs> we're like, okay, it's time to do vocals. And Sarah was like, okay, what am I singing here in the verse? And I'm like, well, you know, like something like this. And Sarah's like... <laughs> something like this no eric tell me what to sing you're supposed to have written the song and i'm like yeah you're like but... i wrote the chord progression i'm like i wrote the chord progression and you know it's kind of gonna go like <laughs> sarah was like oh my god why are you doing this to me but it worked out kind of nicely right explain so <laughs> no. uh he's actually lying uh we are no longer together <laughs> what uh we're recording this remotely i'm back in san diego um thank god for minimal latency am i right anyway so yes you're right (laughs) (laughs) so uh, this isn't a situation like listen we have had some disastrous attempts at making music because i have some issues with hearing myself properly that i am not going to even attempt to explain here and i have some issues with uh keeping my cool (laughs) yeah so i mean what it really boils down to is that the entire time i've been making music i've also been recording it right like ever since i started writing songs i would record them on my dad's computer so writing and recording go hand in hand with for me and i'm extremely used to recording music yeah where sarah has always just performed music and just written songs and played them on guitar and sang them and you've never really been no you've never like gone into the recording process no so it's difficult for me i hearing yourself in headphones is very hearing yourself monitored to yourself while singing is different than hearing yourself in a room Mm -hmm. anyway so in the past we have it's been very frustrating uh and quite often we just like try for a while and either my voice would get really tired and we give up or it would take many sessions or i'd have to like kick eric out and do it myself over like multiple hours (laughs) because sarah's recording the same line over and over again and i'm just staring at her i'm a perfectionist yes um and I'm also very self-conscious, so it's... Anyway, basically, I realized there's just certain things I'm going to have to get over in order to get what I want. Mm-hmm. In order to get to the place that I want, there's just a lot of resistance that I need to overcome. And you do it piece by piece. And one of them is singing in front of other people. And the the barest minimum example of that is singing in front of Eric. So, <laughs> so basically it was getting a little, um, what's the word? Contentious as we were trying to record the vocals and we just pushed through it and it ended up sounding fine. <laughs> I think it sounded really good, but I, the thing that stood out to me about the process was how I wrote the chord progression and I wrote a very like 
bare bones melody, right? Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. I was like, it's something like this. And Sarah just has this natural knack to like fill in the blanks kind of mm. and be like, oh, okay, well, if you want to kind of sing something like this, like I could sing this and then she'd sing something beautiful. She, well, actually, you'd sing like four different things that were all good mm. and I would kind <laughs> of choose that one's the best. Yeah. And then you would like do five takes and nail it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is actually just working. Whereas in the past, it just kind of stayed contentious. And we either were like, okay, we're not doing this song. Or we do the song and release it. And we, mostly you, because you were the vocalist, would be like, I don't really like how I sound on this. but So I don't want to show it to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's out on Spotify. And (laughs) it's just like this whole thing. Yeah. Right? And just the fact that that hasn't been happening in the last two weeks and it's not like like i i I don't know there's just something that feels so right about doing it this time Mm. there's no like faking it there's no pushing through it it's just like yeah we just we're just making music together now it feels good yeah i think it's because i don't feel like i have a backup anymore like obviously well i've taken kind of like a hiatus from sarah's vegan kitchen but i am in theory going to start making videos again Mm -hmm. this week but I, I just know that I can't do that for the rest of my life. And so I'm like, okay, everything that I need to become and become okay with and accomplish and get good at to be a musician, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, overcoming anxiety about recording or um, being more disciplined about making time to write. You know, not running away when something becomes difficult and just saying, Oh, I'll I'll wait till I'm inspired again, Mm -hmm. basically. And so I've been writing a ton. We had, I have mentioned before, but I'm very scattered in my workflow. Whereas Eric will start one thing and see it through. I'll start like multiple things. And as soon as I hit a wall with one thing, I'll move on to a different thing. Um, which, you know, is fine sometimes. I think it's good to be able to take breaks from a, a project, um, but we, I, we weren't finishing anything. Mm-hmm. And I finally just decided, like, let's finish this one song that we started. And I recorded a demo, which I don't, I think I've only ever recorded a demo for you one other time. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to it while shoveling. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I just think it's that. Sometimes, like, it seems obvious that, like, if I were talking to myself, I don't know, it, like, it's like, duh, you've always kind of wanted to be a musician, obviously you're doing it now, like, why didn't you just do it sooner? But it's, it's like, it's like, sometimes you just need to fail at something else a lot of times, or like feel something missing for a really long time before you want it badly enough I guess and as much as I can kind of beat myself up about not doing it when I was younger or not putting myself through everything I've gone through with my other jobs like this is just the time for me now you know and it's making me think of something I haven't really thought of in a while which is like you know, right now I make music for clients, freelance, and I, you know, I teach kids 
online and I teach music production lessons online and I like doing all those things. And if that was my career for the rest of my life, I think I would die feeling fulfilled being like, you know what? Like I got to make music in some way for my whole life and I got to help people make music and teach people. And like, that's good. But I'm, I don't know why it's taken until like really this moment to remember how I felt as a little kid, which is, which, which was if you don't become a person that goes up on stage in front of a huge crowd and plays your music, you're a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've literally, like when I was younger, mm. I, that's what, that's like the only thing I thought about. And it's weird because I think in, in some sense, feeling so fulfilled by what I've been doing mm-hmm. has kind of like kicked that out of my brain a little bit. It's like, look, you're fine. You're doing music and uh, you're helping people. But like that, that thought's like kind of flooding back. It's like, oh my God, that's like all I ever thought about when I was younger. I was going on stage and playing my songs in front of a huge crowd. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm now, I'm like instantly teleported back to that place of, you know, you have to do that. Like that's what you have to do at some point before you die. I don't even, yeah, for me, it's not, I don't think so much about the experience of being in a crowd, although I guess that will mm-hmm. be cool. And that's another one of those like great fears that I'm going to have to overcome. But like for me, I've just always like writing is just writing and singing are just two of those things that always came naturally to me Mm -hmm. Um, since I was like really, really small. And I remember being so shy in like in elementary school, but I remember we got we got a Nintendo 64, my family, and we were playing Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. And I created this big picture book. I may have talked about it on the podcast before, but basically I like wrote out my own Ocarina of Time storytelling and I printed it all out and I cut out like each page and I used like the construction paper and I animated, not animated, I illustrated the whole thing. But in spite of being like this super shy kid, I like went and asked every single classmate, like, how do you want me to write you into my book? And like people could be like, you know, an enemy or like a princess or something. And I asked every single person. Actually, I remember this this one kid asked me to make him into, he was like obsessed with birds. This is a <laughs> random memory, but he was like, can you make me into a peregrine falcon? So I wrote one of those into the book. And he is now a uh, an honored ornithologist. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll have to look him up. Um, yeah. So this is like writing has always been my way of co- uh, connecting with people, basically, and making people feel included. And um, And I always say, like, it's great that you and I started talking over text and dms because that's my best self really my most you know i'm just better in writing i'm better in writing (laughs) i'm better on paper um so you know it just i gotta do it fraser gotta have it (laughs) (laughs) wow i can't believe you just said that yeah no i i totally know what you mean um 
Yeah, and it's like be, being in front of that crowd for me. I think I just know like that means I'm helping people. That means I'm affecting people if I'm in front yeah. of a large crowd. Like they're the same to me, right? Yeah, I think, well, I think that's so interesting. And I feel like that's part of you being like your big Leo sun mm. personality. It's like that's a sort of like that like solar energy just makes people feel better by being around it. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's like, I don't really uplift people just by being there in the way that you do, just by being yourself, because I'm just so brooding, I guess. But I can help people by helping them process things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's good that we have that combination of um, talents like two, and goals. It's like two different versions of yeah. being able to help people and make people feel better. Right. And that, that's the only reason I had a job for like the last year I worked at that company is because everyone knew all the <laughs> all the seasonal temporary employees would work better and feel better about being at work if i was around with them <laughs> right i wasn't really doing much else yeah i, I mean, was the hype man for the warehouse yeah it's funny like we're just very different um i think complimentary though we <laughs> we were i think we mentioned this in the last episode but we've watched like a handful of howard stern interviews with he's such a dick <laughs> i really he's hate such him, a but... dick um we've watched a bunch of his interviews with various musicians and i just am thinking about how different our interviews would be mm-hmm. with uh, various people i mean we were watching him interview paul mccartney yeah three years after his wife linda of 30 years died yeah and howard Stern was like oh it must have been it must have been real awkward having sex for the first time with a new woman right and Paul was like, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not going to. And he's like, well, you know, it must have been awkward. And Paul's like, I'm not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just shut up, man. Yeah. Gets the ratings, though, I guess, huh? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you and Howard Stern would have a fine conversation. And me and Howard Stern would have a... It would be, it would be weird. It would be very weird. <laughs> also, the conversation with me and Howard Stern would be very weird. Because my dad is literally <laughs> in love with the man. Your dad would just like wear a wig and uh pretend to be you (laughs) (laughs) can i uh, can i just tell this quick story and then we'll go into the positivity box sure at the end um so my dad is obsessed with howard stern one time he got to meet howard stern and my dad knows i I know he listens to the podcast so i would like to publicly call him out for this because (laughs) it's very embarrassing for him uh howard is a known germaphobe like if you if you watch the videos, he always has a huge tub of like hand sanitizer next mm-hmm. to him, and my dad knows this because he's been listening to him on the radio for like thirty five years. So my dad gets this chance to meet Howard in like a very one on one scenario, and he walks up to Howard. Howard, I'm a huge fan, and reaches out his hand for a handshake, and Howard's like, uh, and then he he holds out his hand for a fist bump because mm-hmm. he doesn't shake hands because he's a huge germaphobe and my dad's like oh god how could i be so stupid i know you don't shake hands you're a germaphobe and he gave him a fist bump and i swear to god dad i know you're listening i know it's the most embarrassing moment of your life so far and i just i wanted everyone that listens to the podcast to know that that happened that my dad did that <laughs> so i think it's okay you know shit happens he was yeah. very excited you, you pull the bonehead move I mean, I'm sure a majority of people don't know that, though. So he's probably used to it. Yeah, I I think my dad, I think it bothers my dad because he really, really does know that. And it 
I think for him, it's like, I'm such a big fan. I know this. Yeah. I know it. And he screwed the pooch. <laughs> also, are you, yours and my different ways of being a fan are really funny. Mm. Because I can just see you like, you know, like your dad, maybe going up and chatting up someone. If like, if we saw like Rhett and Link at a grocery store yeah. or something. Yeah. Whereas like, be like, hey guys, <laughs> I could see, I don't even know who my biggest idol is. I could see them. Miley. And I would not say anything i would just like you wouldn't say anything oh my god (laughs) no i wouldn't Mm -hmm. because i'm so terrified of inconveniencing people i think i think at this stage in my life i would handle it uh differently than i maybe would have earlier in my life Mm -hmm. i mean it's hard because with with rhett and link specifically i've heard them talk about fan encounters so i kind of i have like this weird kind of uh, what do they say about it i mean i just i've i've heard their firsthand experience of it being difficult to be recognized everywhere you go mm-hmm. so i like just because i've heard their experience so yeah. firsthand i would be very like oh huge fan you know, have a good day mm-hmm. and kind of move on um right i don't like if i saw billy joe from green day i would like it's one of those things where i, I on one hand, I would hate to inconvenience the guy, but on the like, other but hand, I'm also literally obs- I am you actually. Yeah, and on the other hand, it's like you're the reason I play music, and yeah. do I not do I not tell him that? With that being said, in that in interview with Paul McCartney and Howard, mm-hmm. before he went into the interview, Ozzy Osbourne was hanging <laughs> out in like the hallway and he met paul mccartney for the first time he's like oh you're the reason i started playing music in (laughs) ozzy's very like slurred british accent and i was like what must it be like for paul mccartney to be told by literally everybody who plays music who meets him including huge superstars like ozzy osbourne that you're the reason they started playing music Mm. everyone probably says that yeah everyone in that era that's it. that's insane <laughs> to me right i mean it is yeah yeah right so positivity box sure okay um hmm. what is my positivity i don't know box? you seemed like you had a plan at the beginning i don't know i oh. mean the music thing is my positivity box mm-hmm. it's like the first time i'm actually getting shit done i've developed a lot of confidence too like i've said before i i always felt like oh i don't i can't be a musician because i felt bad i don't know i i feel like in every field of work, there's kind of like not a hierarchy, but people at different skill levels who mm-hmm. feel different ways, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah, I make videos for a living. I'm not a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure like some filmmakers look down on YouTubers or whatever. Yeah. And I happen to know like that some musicians who are highly technically skilled and like classically trained do look down on people who have less education. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's like a limiting belief I had to overcome. And I feel like just having that limiting belief prevented me from even trying to educate myself more because Mm -hmm. I thought like basically if you don't start when you're five years old, what's the point? You can't catch up. Yeah. And um, I'm finally at the point where I'm like, oh, my God, like when I hear a melody in my head... I can turn it into a song, which is insane because the way that I used to write music in the past was I'd come up with a melody and then I would just randomly go through chords. Like I didn't know which chords were on, were in which keys. 
until something sounded right. It was just complete like roulette essentially. And <laughs> yeah. now I have like a system for doing it. And I can also kind of, st- I'm starting to kind of be able to intuit what the chord should be before playing it. Oh yeah. Which is like never happened for me before. And then you could start doing that thing where you hear a song. <clears throat> Someone's like, can you play this song? And yeah. You, and you listen to it. And you're like, oh, I know the relationship. I can hear mm-hmm. the relationship from this chord to this chord, so I know it must be this. Yeah. And like at some point, it becomes fairly easy, yeah. but it blows people away. They're like, how are you doing that? Yeah, I mean, that's my goal. It's just muscle memory for your brain, really. Yeah, I just ordered a... I started taking piano lessons in 2018, January. Oh, no, no, January 2019. Not that long ago. Okay. Because you went away to Florida. I got that's a piano. <laughs> and they delivered it in the middle of a snowstorm. Um <laughs> But yeah, I've just been really inconsistent about it. But so I finally, you know, worked through the first book basically that I got in 2019, and I ordered the second book in the education education uh, series, whatever. I mean, an- another reason I feel so compelled to work with you. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Like, if it wasn't for you, like I'm, you know, I, I haven't been in a band in a while. I I haven't been writing songs. I haven't really felt inclined to do that. Mm-hmm. I would probably just keep doing the teaching thing and the freelance thing. But like, since you exist in my life with your music and your message, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to work with you on this thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's so fascinating that you're so good at writing songs because most people aren't <laughs> like most people can't really do it. And that's not, that's, that's not to say like, like a lot of most a lot of people can write songs but to write songs that instantly like grab you or make you feel something is mm-hmm. rare so i'm like wow that's uh pretty neat that we found <laughs> each other so uh yeah. i'm gonna want to jump in on this project because it's great right yeah. and i mean i just i i don't know if we made this clear enough when we were kind of making our segue into the music topic but I see this as connected to kind of the other stuff we we opened the episode with because, you know, at some point, just being aware and talking about the bad things happening in the world, like, at, at some point, that's not enough. Like, at some point, you need to find a, another way to contribute to make people's lives better, I think. And this is, like, my way of doing that. Yeah. And so I'm trying to just kind of, I'm maybe going to not open Instagram for a while. Maybe I'll just upload to stories and not check anything. Mm -hmm. Because I do like, I like doing that. Yeah. But, and just really go on like a little bit of a creative uh, binge. (laughs) I might just, I might temporarily unsubscribe from all the subreddits that are about politics or news Mm. or anything like that. So then I can still go on Reddit and... (laughs) but only see the enjoyable lighthearted stuff like music and sports and whatnot. Yeah. So that does sound like a good plan. Did you have a positivity box? Um, my chair. The beginning was like, of the episode, besides your chair. Besides my chair. We have a list of movies we want to watch that are about music. Oh, those, those honestly, like I can't understate their importance in getting mm-hmm. me into this like yeah. vibe of like, you are a musician. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, we're seeing all these people from vastly different backgrounds vastly different uh like mental states vastly different levels of support um like musically as they were growing up and they all ended up 
you know, mm-hmm. becoming musicians. So just the more variety I can see and who's able to become a musician is really encouraging for me. And to see the odds some people overcame and the demons they were battling with, I think is, yeah. yeah. I agree. All right. Well, is that it? I think so. This ended up being way longer than planned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's how it goes though. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Mm -hmm. Um, We will talk to you next week Mm -hmm. about what, who knows, Um, (laughs) but we'll see you then or we'll be square. Uh, and I don't know what I'm saying now. It's time to go to sleep, apparently. I want chocolate. Let's eat some chocolate. Thank um, you. <laughs> and we'll send it off with our supporter shout out. Hi, guys. We're pausing this conversation for a few moments to give a big thank you to our supporters. These are our listeners who make a monthly contribution through Anchor, which is our hosting platform. If you'd like to become a supporter as well, you can visit anchor.fm slash whatislifedude and click on the support button. And if you enjoy the show, another great way to support us is by giving us a positive rating and a review on iTunes. Just takes a few moments and it helps new listeners find the podcast so we can continue to grow our community. So thank you so much to everyone who supports us in one way or another. This podcast wouldn't exist without you guys. So without further ado, shout out to our Anchor supporters, Inga Pfeiffer, Morgan Lassiter, Jennifer, Scotty Draper, Glenn Ames, Kevin Dooley, Jessica Chelgren, Marie Zimmerman, Nina Schmidt, Izzy, Reem, Alexis Dooley, Annalise, Nadia, Merv, Teresa Madara, Kelsey Pritchett, Ellis Adler, Anna Dureka, Megan Stewart, Samantha McIntyre, Dylan Schaubin, and Sarah Creighton.